Hello everyone and welcome to the Moonlit Path podcast, a podcast of stitches, stories and soul, where we talk about all the ways in which stories and creativity help the human soul heal and thrive. My name is Laure Porcher and I will be your host and guide. On today's episode, we have the great pleasure of receiving Amanda Lux, who is an artist, an author, an energy healer, and a dream worker, and who has come to talk to us about her journey with dreams and with art and imagination. So lovely to have you here today. Yay, I'm so excited to do this with you, Laura. This is so cool. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm going to start, always start us off by asking the same question, which is, what's your favorite story? And um, how did it help you? And or what does it say about you? Hmm. Well, I have to admit that I had to dig a little deep around this question because I I have not been a huge fiction reader for most of my life. I read a lot of nonfiction. I'm like a, a learner and a, I, I'm always looking for information and personal growth. So that's the majority of what I read. But um So I was really digging deep to think, is there a story? Is there a, you know, a fiction? Um, And so this is what I thought of. I had to go all the way back to childhood to uh, Pippi Longstocking. Yes, I love (laughs) it. I love Pippi Longstocking. This is one of my favorite books. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I adored it when I was a child. I, I read it multiple times. Yay. Yay. My family did read aloud when I was little. We did a lot of reading aloud, but, and then I did a ton of that with my kids when they were little, but the Pippi Longstocking book, I didn't discover her books until I was like probably in middle school on my own. Like I had already passed the age, I think that they were intended for. And so then I did read them to my kids too but I loved those books. And I think, so your question was, how does that reflect my life or? Yeah. What do, what do you think that says about you? Cause I, I believe that all the stories that we love say something about who we are. Mm, yes, for sure. Yeah. And so this was really fun because I started to think about this this morning. I was really contemplating, Hmm, what does Pippi Longstocking say about me? <laughs> And so I was really sort of breaking down the qualities that I really adored and admired and uh, love about Pippi Longstocking's character. And I loved, well, first of all, I always loved that she lived in Villa Villa Coola. I love that she lives in this crazy house that has animals that live inside and that she was very independent and solitary and didn't have parents. And 
I had parent. I have wonderful parents who I'm still very close to, and but I did raise my kids by myself, and my house was a little bit of a zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of strange pets and people coming and going, and children everywhere, and it was a lot of fun. And yeah, being independent was a really big part of my personal story in my life, and also I think feeling a little bit different, feeling like. She, Pippi was very different. She was a nonconformist. <laughs> so I loved those qualities about her. I loved that she was super strong. I, I've always really valued, well, not always, but in my adult life, I have spent many, many years cultivating my physical strength through yoga and running and running marathons and lifting weights and just really loving having a human body. I think that's a really fun adventure and what you can do with it. And so that's something I admire about Pippi Longstocking. She was really strong. And she was like, so she always told these tall tales, right? Yeah. And you never knew like what's real and what's not real. And like the way that she would meet these adventures or what could be traumas, she would meet them with humor and lightness and play and like totally transform the scary hard things into beautiful stories. And I feel like... I resonate with that in probably just my walk through my personal life and professional life as a person who moves through multiple realities a lot. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, what's true, what's not true. You know, I, I'm always wondering about that. I don't know that it's black and white. Mm. I love that about her. Yeah. I love that. I love everything that you said about it. It's true. I never, I never considered her strength. That's not something that I remember when you talked about it. I was like, oh yeah, that's right. She was super strong. Yeah. But yeah, the 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 notion of resilience of like, she was. I remember that. You know that everything was a game. Everything was fun. Everything was like an adventure. Yes. That's that's a great story. I'm like, <laughs> that's a great story. So happy that you brought it into this podcast. And so. If you, if you will, because you were talking about your, you know, your professional life and like how you navigate between worlds. And if you could talk to us a little bit about what you do and despite you not reading fiction, I know that story in many forms has a big place in your work. So I'd love for you to talk to us about that a little bit. Yes, I, I would love to. And yeah, still thinking about, yeah, the idea of Pippi Longstocking in her, uh, tall tales and all of her, the ways that she wove myth and imagination into reality, whatever her reality <laughs> in that version of reality. And I think that, you know, what I do is really about that. It's really about storytelling through dreams for sure, because every dream is a story. And oftentimes we title it and have a, you know, beginning, middle and end. And dream work is something that I've been actively playing with most of my life. I've been really fascinated with dreams and paying attention to them. You know, I did some sort of out-of-body travel when I was a child and became very, very curious about that through my adolescent years, was just consuming everything I could get at the library about death and dying and near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences and So I was really, really interested in all of that all of my life. 
And as a really sensitive kid, I think, you know, as an empath, as a sensitive kid, I lived in my imagination. Like I really was as interested, if not more interested in what was going on in my head than what was going on in the world around me. And it didn't seem so separate, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) And so, you know, when I grew up in quotation marks and became a mother when I was in my early twenties and I had moved to New York to write and make art actually. And ended up having babies and marrying a street musician and (laughs) touring around the world doing that. And so that wasn't quite what I had initially signed up for, but that brought in a lot of story and a lot of exploration. And I think it drove me to really ultimately pursue the healing arts through body work and energy work and polarity therapy. And I think that Probably I loved that work because I could spend working with one-on-one clients. I spend a lot of time in their stories, the story of their body, the story of their energy, working intuitively with what I was seeing and hearing and feeling and noticing and reflecting that back to them. And so that became a part of the healing process for, for my clients, but I think ultimately for myself too, just learning how to, to trust and to navigate the unseen worlds of energy. And, and then also, and which comes in the form of imagination, right? It's like the imagination is really the vehicle for our intuition. Yeah. And so that's, that's really how I, I teach intuitive development. That's how I teach polarity therapy. And that's how I teach dream work is just by helping people learn how to trust those imagination muscles and build them through practice of paying attention to those stories that come when we're sleeping or through conscious dream work, which is another big aspect of what I do. It's not just working with sleep dreams, but also our waking dreams and how those two interplay. So to me, that's consciousness work, really. It's the I think the imagination is that bridge between our subconscious and our superconscious and yeah <laughs> and then making bringing that into consciousness so we can consciously create the stories of our lives instead of recreating the ones that we don't want unconsciously. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean that's that's uh that really resonates with me and the the idea that I love the idea that you can really communicate with your subconscious through stories, you know, that that everything that you say, any story that you create, whether you dream it, whether it's a dream or it's an actual story that you that you create is going to say something about your subconscious dynamic and what's going on, like, you know, what's at play within you and what's, uh, I guess, the story maker (laughs) behind your life. And, and when you see it, then you can, you know, you can also interact with it through story. And that's a lot what Constellation is about. Cause I, you know, yesterday I was actually doing a session with uh, one of my teachers in Constellation and we did a Constellation about parts of myself and the rearranging of the story was so clear in the Constellation. It's not always the case, but this time was like, okay, this is the story as it is now. And now I'm going to write something different. And I could feel in my body like things shifting 
And I wonder because you're also you're also a body worker and you also you know you work with people's bodies. What's your experience, you know, in seeing the impact of stories in people's bodies? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know it's a big question. So I'm like springing this on you, but I love that question. I just like it's so vast. Like I think I have a million versions of that logged in my you know, 17 years of hands-on busy practice, you know, private practice, which I am not really doing as much anymore. I'm kind of phasing out of private practice, but, but I do still really love the opportunity to listen. I really love the, the opportunity to be in person with somebody listening or even online. You can listen just as well, if not better, sometimes from a distance and to involve the physical is so important in energy work because we're, this is the, the earth manifestation, right. Of our energy, right. So it's not, not energy. It is energy. It's just the physical version of it. And I think we store so many different kinds of stories in our bodies unconsciously. And then sometimes even semi-consciously, right. Or memory that we're reliving or holding. I think that you know, affects how we carry ourselves physically and our posturing, of course, but also our compensations and, and then just our, you know, by sort of generating a physical version of what we believe is possible for us, you know, and like how we just, because we don't, we like shed everything and recreate everything like totally and completely every seven years or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like we're, why would we recreate the same things, you know, like, and we're aging and we're changing all the time. We're evolving and changing. We are not, but yet we carry these old things with us. You know, we like, we drag our past, we drag our old injuries, we drag these things, but you know, along and keep recreating them unconsciously, mostly. So I think that's really powerful to bring consciousness to that through constellation work or through story or through dream work or through any kind of energy work where we get to have somebody witness our story for us and show it to us so we can see it. Cause it's, you know, hard to see the forest for the trees or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's hard, you know, we can't see our blind spots. That's the whole for me, the whole work of story and of being th with people through their stories is for them to see their blind spots, either through their own work or through whatever I'm, whatever I'm mirroring for them. And I'm wondering, because I know you you have a dream circle, you know, every, every week, is it every week or every month? I have um, two dream circles a month. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm wondering, like, what's the main thing that you've noticed that changes in people's lives for doing this, you know, for starting being aware of their, of their dreams and sharing them and writing them? And mm, That's cool. That's a cool question. Yeah. What kind of transformation is possible when we start to pay attention? I, for myself, what I've observed is I believe it's, um, it's about becoming more conscious in general. That, like I was saying, dream work isn't just our sleep dreams, right? So it's really consciousness work. It's really the work of waking up, mm. actually. You know, I've seen that the effects of that are when we have an issue or something that's blocking us, either mentally, emotionally, spiritually, energetically, whatever, 
all of the above, when we can put that to the dream through like incubation or dream seeding, and then we learn how to pay attention. That's my dog. She keeps moving. (laughs) It's it's just my, my monkey, my Pippi Longstocking monkey. (laughs) Yes. She's about the size of a monkey and she keeps jumping on me. Yeah. So I think what I was saying is that dreams, the way that people transform through paying attention is that they're able to better bring these unconscious things into consciousness, transform them, work with them, gain new insight for their life in intentional ways when they're incubating, but also just in general ways by becoming more attuned to the the ways that the universe is speaking through synchronicities and it becomes more interesting, you know, like we have more empowerment to interact with our path as opposed to being a victim of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very healing. I've seen a lot of healing and transformation and just aha moments, just like, Oh, that's what that is, which is really fun to watch and feel, you know, when somebody's like oh, light bulb, <laughs> you know, this way that I've been pounding my head against the wall all these years, suddenly, oh, there's a door and I could open it. So that's very freeing. And I think it can have tremendous impact on just how one goes about their day-to-day reality and interacting with their their day-to-day reality, but also being able to transform old blocks and old challenges and also honor, Mm. honor the hard parts, honor the hard things, you know, like when we start to really go into their story and go into the energy of it, we realize how it served us, the challenges, and that it's not just trying to get to a place where it's all love and light, but like every hero has a dragon to slay, right? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could see almost life like a gym. (laughs) because <laughs> you you like to get strong yeah. and that's a that's a little what it is like you have to lift weights in order to to get stronger yes in a way totally and i like your i really like your analogy about having agency of your path instead of being a victim of it because that's something i use that analogy a lot with my clients where i tell them you know your, your daily life has to become your main tool to move forward and instead of sitting on the corner of the road and like the border of the road, and then people are piling rocks on you and you're like, oh my God, I can't do anything. You're just walking on your path and then there's a river and you need to cross it. And that's not easy. And then you're walking on your paths and then there's a mountain and you need to climb it. But it's completely di- like the feeling is completely different, obviously, right? Because <laughs> you're always in a, you're in a proactive role and you have agency yeah. over how do you cross the river and how do you climb the mountain and <laughs> for sure so true I love how you say that having agency yeah yes as opposed to just being buried you know under our challenges we get to see them as opportunities to overcome and explore and get curious and grow slay the dragon yeah and even if we don't see them as because it's i mean let's face it you know when you're in the middle of a crisis you're not seeing it as an opportunity you're not like oh this is great right <laughs> you have to at least have that feeling of agency that's what I, you know that's most of my work is geared towards reconnecting people with their power and that that feeling of i have agency over my life and over who i am and what i do yes 
Yes. Um, and I do believe that working with stories and dreams and, you know, creativity in general is really, because you were talking about imagination and I know you're an artist uh, and make beautiful, beautiful paintings. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, about your, your relationship to, to that, to that, to that um because for me creativity is really manifesting you know your imagination and your essence into the world in the physical form whatever it is yes oh i love that i love that creativity is manifesting your imagination into the physical form <laughs> that's juicy yes i totally i totally love that i tend to think that when I first started painting, it was because, well, I had been playing around with painting and, and drawing and different cut and mosaic and all of that for many years. But I started to get really inundated with these very clear images of different animals and different scenarios in my mind. And they were coming as art. Like I was like, oh, I need to paint this. And so I started painting these images. And then I realized that I could communicate with them that they weren't just images coming from my imagination. They were actual guides coming from other dimensions. (laughs) (laughs) So I I started painting my dreams and visions and interacting with them and, and being the vehicle for their stories, right? Because they had teachings, Mm. not just for me, but I think all of our dreams are for all of us. They're com- we dream communally as we're one mind. Ultimately, that's the idea behind the, the elevation hive, right? Mm. Is that we are all one entity ultimately. Mm. Uh, and when I spend time with bees, which I do, I keep bees as well. And when I spend time with bees, I've learned that, that they're not individual. They are like one organism. And they're not only connected to their bodies, but all bees and then all nature and like the flowers and the way that they pollinate. I mean, it's just incredible. It's an incredible thing to spend time with bees because they tune you into that deep interconnectivity. And so for me, like art and and creativity is a way to tap into and make seen the unseen, (laughs) you know, like to, to take those the invisible things, the, the otherworldly things, the, the stories and the visions that are coming through that dream space and, and bringing it into a visual form, an experiential form. Mm-hmm. And I just think that that's so much fun. It's so interesting. And, and then, of course, it's a journey doing the creative process in and of itself takes you through a healing journey. Mm-hmm. And every time I sit down and start creating art, I have a, an arc of suffering that occurs, you know, and ecstasy <laughs> with, with long stretches of like blissful Zen, like nothingness in between where I'm just in the zone, you know, in the flow, the creative flow, which is my favorite place to be ever of yeah. all time. Um, but you know, then, then there's the art, the arcs and the, the dips and the like, ah, this is, Ah, it's so hard. It looks terrible. I'm never going to be able to finish it. <laughs> Who am I? What is this? What am I doing with my life? Yeah. <laughs> I relate. <laughs> I relate. And then, you, you know, I, I really like the idea that you're manifesting your own guides in a way. Not to say that they, I know they exist, but it's like 
you're putting them into matter. I'm going to put you guys here, right here with me into a real form that I can touch, I can see, and I can listen to. I love that because I I believe that. I believe that there's something about, you know, that creativity is is the way, one of the ways that we we express power also, our, our invisible self and power. And yeah, I definitely relate with all the ups and downs of creation. Yeah, yeah. It's a process. Because <laughs> it's never how you saw it in your head. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's never how you saw it. But that's the fun part is the mystery. You're going into the great mystery, and it's always a co-creation, you know? So that's I definitely feel like I am drawing these unseen images out and through and into manifestation to be visibly Mm. and physically interacted with but I also feel like I'm I'm co-creating like I'm just a vehicle really I always feel like that like it's like the the project itself has its own soul and its own deva or its own essence its own life and so it's really like how do I honor the life of this this thing that wants to come through and how how do we dance together? And like, and that's helpful because it helps when in those moments of crisis of creative crisis that I kind of enjoy as well as the blissful ones, (laughs) but it's helpful to remember. It's not just us. We're not creating from our ego, you know, like that's, I get to surrender, you know, I get to surrender and be like, okay, well, how can I move through this moment? And what is it reflecting to me in my own energy? And so growth growth is fun <laughs> sometimes <laughs> sometimes and and what cuz i cuz you you know i know you made a lot of paintings and i work with textile personally and do you have pieces that were especially potent in what they brought in as a shift into your life and yourself cuz i know i work with textile as a way to ship thing or to anchor things or to, and some pieces are really important. And if you have one of those, I'd love for you to talk to us about it. Yes. Oh yeah. I would say the first thing that pops into my head is I have a piece that was really part of the initiation of my journey through making art from my dreams and interacting with my dreams on a whole nother level. And that was probably about eight years or seven years ago. I had done some paint, a series of paintings, and these guides came through the paintings, but I wasn't conscious yet that that's what they were or what they were about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just sort of was an opening. And, and that was right after I started studying body, mind, hypnotherapy, and working with, with my dreams and altered states during my waking life as well, more consciously. Mm-hmm. I'd always been meditating and, and journeying in certain ways on my own, even re-entering my dreams on my own without knowing that that was a thing. But there was this moment where I had done this first series of paintings, and it was the first time I had actually had the space to paint in many, many, many years. And it was so, it like totally burst something open for me. And like, I started to receive just incredible visions all the time. And they were coming through so vividly. 
it was like the veil was really thin for this period of time that um, I was driving and I had this image pop into my head so clearly of this um, black bird sitting on a stack of books in a library and the bird had a key, a golden key around its neck. And so I, I was like, so compelled by this. So I went into this image. I started exploring it. Like I was able to walk inside and look around 3d, like, you know, as opposed to a two dimensional image, I went inside of the image and I was exploring and I was able to look at the books that the bird was sitting on. And I noticed that they were all by me. I was the author of these books and the title, I only could see the title of one of them. And the title was Alone Traveler's Guide to the Divine. Nice. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, hot damn, that's cool. What the heck? (laughs) What am I going to do with that? You know, so it started this journey for me where I started working with a shamanic mentor and I started going so deep into exploring dream work and doing my own healing work. And for for about seven years, I did this very diligently. And I started writing that book. I started writing it. And the book itself was so ephemeral. Like I, some parts of it were very novel-like. There was a character who was like this other parallel version of me, Mm -hmm. but most of it came through in imagery. So I would start painting those images. And so the painting that feels probably the most potent to me when you ask that question is, the painting of Charlotte, the black bird who's sitting on the books in the library. And I learned eventually the library was, you know, in me and it was sort of like my Akashic library. And I've spent a lot of time in that library and I've had a lot of night dreams and conscious dreams from that place, like hundreds, if not thousands and written hundreds, if not thousands of pages of stories about it. But the book, it kept morphing. It wasn't like something I could just publish, you know, or, or put into a beginning, middle end because it was so multidimensional. So I even tried making it as a graphic novel one time and illustrating the story itself instead of using words. Mm. Some of it came through as song or poetry, a lot of it through just like any kind of visual. So I've just been playing with it and now it's become my podcast I'm making the podcast about that and I'm calling it that. So it's just become this whole thing, but it started with that image and of the bird on the books. And I painted that and I really love that painting. It's like a a portal to me, to the unlimited creative. And the moon is in that painting, actually. You're another way to resonate with your (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's that's wonderful. That's that really is a beautiful image and um, very wide. Um, I can feel the multidimensionality of it, which is amazing and and also really hard to put into to manifest into matter. I so relate to that. I would love to read that book though. Like I was, <laughs> yeah. I wanna I wanna see your your you know multidimensional library. Um, stories and and animals and music. Well, I I started another variation that spun off from that was I created 
Be Your Own Guide to the Divine, which is an, a class that I offer once a month inside the Elevation Hive on Zoom. And it's um, where initially I did it as seven chakra elemental uh, initiation mm-hmm. sort of guided visualizations. And each one of those had a painting that went with it. Wow. And so I, I created these guided meditations that are all uploaded in the course. But I once I completed those seven, I was like, I don't want to just go do, do that again. I was like, that part is done. So I was like, okay, now it's evolving. And it became a live creative class. So now once a month, anybody in or outside of the hive can come just for a drop-in fee and, and show up. And then we go on a little journey through our higher consciousness through our, the vehicle of our imagination. And we receive guidance or inspiration or connect with the soul of whatever project we're calling through or whatever's in our highest good. And we kind of attune to that. And then we get direct guidance around what to do creatively with it. And we all create live together. So people are composing music or they're writing poetry or they're painting or drawing or finger painting or so it's really fun. It's a really fun class. But that was another spin-off from that, you know, another version of that same work, you know. Yeah. I feel like everything's just sort of spun out of that, you know, my whole yeah. all my courses and everything. <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like a little bit. I, I love that though. That that's the thing also with stories and creativity is that it's constantly evolving. Like it's a very flexible thing. And if it's, um, it's, I'm not going to say there's danger, but there's a risk of getting caught in like the fixed product. Right. Like once you've, once you've manifested it and be like, oh, now I've made it and I'm going to stay in it. For myself, I know there's, there's always a tug of war a little bit between the part of me that says like, well, I've created that. I want to, you know, I want to stay in it a little bit. And then the other part that's like, no, we need to go and create something else. Uh, new ideas, new ideas, new stories, new creativity. Right. Right. Yeah. To balance, to find. <laughs> Letting it evolve. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're coming to the closer to the end, let's just say. And so I have, a, I have a couple more questions for you. And uh, one of them is because I come from textile, I think of everything in terms of threads. That's how I see life and um, even constellation for me when I work in the field I see it as like a weave the weave of life and then you, you can kind of straighten threads through it and so I, I'm always curious to know like which which are the threads that you're weaving into your life you know which ones are the ones that you care most about I guess mm. wow that's a deep question. What are the threads of my life that I'm consciously weaving that I care yeah. about? Or or unconsciously, or if you think about it and you're like, oh, I'm maybe maybe this thread I've been weaving a lot and wasn't aware of it. Hmm. Wow. Gosh, that could be answered in so many ways. I, I feel like and what are the threads? Probably. I would say self-expression just in, I think everything that I do or seek or am excited about doing um, has to do with expressing. 
and not just expressing myself, but being expressed or expressing other things through my expression, right? But but giving things a, a vehicle of expression, I think, is a thread um, that I adore. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thread. And and then maybe beauty. Now that I say that, I think beauty in general is another thread that that I I think you know relationships have beauty and moments and experiences have beauty and. And then just creating beautiful things that are pleasurable to experience that are transcendent in some way. So I feel like that is a thread and I see that in everything. Mm. And let's see, what would be the last one? I would think maybe probably just evolving <laughs> could that be one <laughs> evolution like a thread of evolution a thread of evolution I, I i guess the reason why i would say that's a thread is because it feels like it is a motivating force behind most of the things that i do including the beauty that i make and the expression that i partake in it's, I think motivated through that feeling of evolving or healing or growing or learning or sharing for the sake of, of elevating my own soul experience, right. Mm-hmm. And, or others that of others simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like that's a big motivator for as part of my life mission for sure. So I think I would, I would call that a thread mm-hmm. that holds things together and creates the construct of this art piece of my life (laughs) (laughs) which looks beautiful and this thread is actually connecting to my next question because you're talking about the soul the expression of your soul and that's the last question that I ask people is that when do you feel closer to your own soul and when do you feel closer to other people's soul and it might be at the same time or it might be different things Mm. Well, I probably feel the closest to my own soul when I'm in the act of creating, Mm. for sure. Like when I'm painting or singing or creating in general, I feel like that is, like I was saying, it's a co-creative thing, but it's also like I love to connect with my own higher self, connect with my own soul's higher knowing and wisdom and, and create from that space. So I feel like that small mind, ego mind, or or whatever the limiting this world <laughs> confinements are kind of melt away. And I feel really this sense of oneness and uplifted and, um, or just nothingness, just spaciousness. When I'm in the creative flow, I feel totally spacious and connected to my soul. And I probably feel the most connected to other people's souls when I'm engaged in mirroring or resonating actively with somebody, whether that's in a class setting or one-on-one, when I'm really tuned into that other person on purpose, you know, or other people in a group and listening from that soul to soul space, I feel that's when I feel the closest to other people's souls for sure. I I don't even think about other people when I'm creating. I'm like, (laughs) it's 
totally <laughs> nobody else exists at all. <laughs> I'm just this omniscient one, I don't know, orb of something lovely creative energy when I'm creating. But when I'm like in some kind of teaching mode or some kind of uh, client interaction mode, or even just having a great conversation mm. with somebody, I tend to feel like that, you know, that polarity aspect of, of really like tuning into that person and resonating with their energy is when I feel the closest. Mm. I love that you have the really separate things when you're with yourself you're like nobody else exists <laughs> and when you're yeah, with other people when you're other people I really relate to that too I'm like a bit like that well that was a wonderful wonderful conversation mm. I'm so glad that you were here with us yes and um and uh thank you and I'll put obviously I'll put all the links to everything uh in the podcast description Um, and I will maybe see you another time to talk about something else Ooh, on this podcast. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to talk to you again about something else. And I loved being a part of this. So thank you so much for inviting me. I was, I was just thrilled to have the opportunity to participate in exploring the subconscious and story and healing in this way. It's just like everything I love. So it's beautiful. Thank you for offering this gift. Thank you for being with us. The Moonlit Path podcast was born from the Moonlit Path course, a 10-month self-exploration through creativity guided by the moon. You can find more information about the course at www.moonlitpath.space or you can go to the Moonlit Path Instagram at Moonlit Path Channel. Have a good day, have a good night and until we meet again, may the moon smile upon you.